Yes, 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 you're in the place to be. It's G.I. Joburg episode 284. We're talking Playmotion. We're talking classic comic books. We're talking toys. It's going to be a jam-packed affair. My name is Stephen, and as always, I'm joined by Paul. Yay! How's it, buddy? <laughs> hey, and Paul. hey, Bergforce. And oh, Robbie. Me. Hey, it's me. It's old man Rob. Yeah. <laughs> And to talk about our most recent Red Glare Playmotion adventure, we have frequent guest and G.I. Joburg Playmotion collaborator, Troy Smith. Hello, Troy. Welcome to G.I. Joburg. How long is this thing going to take? I got people to see and things to do and things to blow up. Falcon, oh. come on. We're guests here. We need to be polite to these guys. <laughs> <laughs> Classic. Not only is he a dab hand behind the camera, but he also has offered voices for Falcon and Crazy Legs, amongst others. So welcome to uh, the show, Troy, my friend. Um, it's it's been a be week. Here. Thank you. Yeah, man. Well, you, it's it's as if you're the unofficial fourth member of this podcast. Uh, we've had you on before to talk about this exact topic. Well, not, maybe not this exact topic. Red Glare uh, being the latest entry in our saga um, though it has a rather storied history, when did we first start working together? Because that is essentially when this plot started to be uh, uh, discussed. I think it was it about was, 2017. Yeah, I think it was 2017, 2018. Uh, definitely three years ago when we started posting. I kind of went back and saw when we started posting the videos, the original ones, but like we'd been working a year before that. It seemed like it took a long time to produce clairvoyance. Mm. Yeah, I mean, this marks a, a continuation of an old thread. And yes. it kicked off with clairvoyance. Then it was uh, by dawn's early light. Um, and then most most recently, not really, uh, can you see? Um, and yes. now red glare. So, I mean, if you if you notice the, the the trend we're setting in terms of the, the naming convention. Uh, you might be getting the hints, or a patriotic hint. Um, and you could probably guess what the next one would be. Maybe, maybe. Um, but I'm so grateful that we've been able to finally make an addition to this storyline because it has been asked for. This has been a kind of a requested thing. People have not forgotten about Falcon's struggle with the, the master of mind control. <laughs> Not mine, Bender. <laughs> <laughs> Crystal ball. Anyway, um, I'm I'm delighted oh, to talk about it at long last. I've been slaving away in the edit uh, for a time. It's nice to have finally released it into the world. Um, but this particular play motion has the, the most interesting attribute, and that being the fact that it is the first time the three G.I. Joburg boys were able to collaborate on a scene together. Yeah, which was so. I'm gonna Im immediately kick this over to the boys. <laughs> you know, Paul, Rob, uh, what was it like joining me on the the crazy sand? <laughs> I don't know if I should go first. <laughs> well, Rob's been along. I mean, while, while it was the first time the three of us were together, um, there's an earlier sequence in Red Glare where yeah. the Cobra troops all land their attack, and that was shot in 2019. Uh, yeah. with Rob and I. So that's yeah, been in the can for that's been in the can for years, man. But it meshes well, made, it hooks up well. So yeah, and you made it so seamless. That was surprising yeah. to me because I remember you showing me that 
oh two two years ago and i was like oh wow you actually went out and shot stuff i didn't know that you had <laughs> shot some things and then covid <laughs> kind of <wrecked laughs> everything gosh uh, yeah but thankfully yeah. it's 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 all in the can now and yeah working with steven and paul together was was a fantastic experience um, yeah and i'm it's something i'm sorry we didn't get to do more of but yeah because mm -hmm. of yeah. circumstances um but now we know what it feels like and it feels nice uh, it's good, it's right. <laughs> Does it now? Hell yeah, driver dude. cracking the whip. <laughs> oh, that's scary. We're going to change it. Oh, it's gonna be another one. Give me another one, <laughs> guys. I got a question for you guys then. Um, and it, and it relates to this experience. Okay, so four o'clock in the morning, there we are. Um, you know, I pop in to like join the preview, the premiere, and then I see Rob popped up, and I was very impressed with that, Robbie. Just saying, um. <laughs> And then I watch it, and then you know it abruptly ends. And my first like knee jerk was, oh, <laughs> you know, like, huh. you know, I like, what's happening? What's coming next? You know, I actually like waited, gave it a few seconds. I thought maybe there's something wrong with the stream. I was like, where's the rest? Now I'm, <laughs> I watched it again. I've watched it again. Um, well, subsequently watched it again uh, with Celia uh, in the, on the same day. And my question to you guys is, what was the reaction of the people around you? Like when, when they watched it and what was their reaction to that specific <laughs> <What> people? My <laughs> <laughs> so, so time is my alone time. Okay, so <laughs> you don't have anybody watching it with you. Kim didn't take it out with you, Steve. <laughs> oh, Paul, nobody. Um, it, what time was it for me? Oh, it was midday. I think Kim midday. was at work, pal. Oh, oh okay. You've got her to take a lunch break and come over and watch it with you. Um, she was at work. Elliot was napping. It was just me. Boo. Uh, and okay. And Rob, I suppose this is your secret shame. So maybe you don't share it. <laughs> <laughs> it was. It was. Yeah. Once again, it, it was me. Although I did. I did. I did rep it on, on Instagram. So maybe you know someone. Someone that I know watched it. But it was definitely me. Me alone in the dark in my room with no power, watching um, Red Glare. Uh, it, was a, it was a Dude. cool experience. Nothing to stop wrong. <laughs> but Paul, I wanted, yeah. to, I wanted to address. I mean, it's it's interesting that we, we we were talking about the end before we really address anything else. But the ending of Red Glare being abrupt is mainly a product of the fact that we were like, uh, we shot enough. Let's clock off and have a beer and burgers." <laughs> <laughs> because he suggested that. that. <laughs> no. Because, uh, like, Celia's reaction for that was so great because she's, like, into it. Like, I can see she's into it because every time, you know, she's, like, she's watching it and we're watching it now and stuff. And then, you know, there would be, like, I, I can't remember. There was, like, some kind of interruption and she'd be, like, pause. And that would ah, be, that was that's, that's not cool. normal. Like, Celia normally won't go, oh, pause this. She'll just be, like, keep watching. Oh, come check out now. And I'm, like, but you're missing Jurassic Park. You know, kind of thing. So, <laughs> so G.I. Joe book has pipped Spielberg. Oh my goodness. Right. Yeah. Right. So, so when Amazing. it ended, she was like, oh, oh what now? <laughs> you know? Well, I mean, now we went to Tiger Smoke and had beer and burgers. Like beer and oh, burgers. yeah. Well, looking at the comments, I mean, people were exceptionally um, in the comments that they were all this, this, this uh, cliffhanger definitely did, you know, like stop everyone. They were like, what? We need more. Like um, mm. I was just remembering Derek Lemaire said, did not see that cliffhanger coming. That final visual was quite a takeaway. <laughs> <laughs> because that, that was oh, after sorry. 17. 
Oh, sorry, Paul. That was after 17 <laughs> minutes of pure action. And it's like to continue, it'd be another 17, 20 minutes or so. Exactly, exactly right. Because yeah. here's, uh, here's to add more flesh to the story. My folks had, um, because of load shedding and power surges um, being what they are in, uh, in South Africa now, because of load shedding, um, their DSTV decoder was like knocked out by that. Um, the best way I can think of to explain it to uh, American viewers or listeners, should I say, is basically the cable box shorted up. So they got a new one. So I had to go over to their side to go and, you know, help my mom set it up. So naturally, uh, uh, one of the things that I wanted to set up, because my mom was like, can I watch YouTube and stuff on here as well? I'm like, yeah, totally. And so the first thing I tested with to see if the internet connection in the house is strong is this new episode. Shame. So my folks were actually watching this as well. Hey. Yeah, it was very, very cool. But then unfortunately, load shedding kicked in. <laughs> so they didn't get mm -hmm. to finish it. <laughs> but, so uh, they had a cliffhanger within a cliffhanger. Within a cliffhanger, yeah. But yeah, but their reaction was also cool. It was also like, and now what? Oh, it's load shedding. <laughs> so, <laughs> they well, all lived happily ever after. Well, <laughs> that's so, anything so, can happen, really. So this thing was <laughs> quite pulse pounding. It was like, you know, because we, we're very close to it. You know, we, we're very close to how the, I mean, we, we're in the factory, right? So we, I mean, mind you, I purposely try to stay away from seeing the final cut before the premiere. That's just my thing. But, I, you know, sometimes you, you, you know, you think that, okay, maybe the shot doesn't work or this isn't going to work or maybe we, and you know, we often How dare you? about it. How dare you? <laughs> what no, shot every shot even takes <laughs> No, man. Yeah, of course. Every frame know, of painting. Here. <laughs> or two. Um, but it's cool to see how it hits with people because well, I guess what I'm trying to say is I'm so used to it that every time it hits with people, it's always a welcome and pleasant surprise, you know? And uh, I like that. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's awesome. Yeah. That's why we do these premieres. And it, I mean, yeah. this one was particularly kind of, uh, I suppose, staged premiere because we went live in the hour preceding the premiere in order to do a recap on clairvoyance, uh, can you see and dawn's early lights, which makes for quite a compelling supercut, and yeah. GI Joburg is only marginally responsible for those. Those are mainly Troy yeah. Smith Productions. So mm. Troy, it's a seamless integration from your style into ours, and thank you, thank you for putting together almost no. an hour's worth of entertainment. Sorry. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's yeah. my pleasure. And when you put them all together, I was like, wow, that's 56 minutes of stuff mm -hmm. that we've done over the over the years. It's like I, it was a lot longer than I thought. Mm. But but yeah, it's, you know, 20 minutes here, 20 minutes there. Next and what's you know, so nice about it is you did little little commercial featurettes, which <laughs> oh, yes. crystal ball basically getting into Falcon's head. Like he keeps seeing yes. him anytime he turns on the television almost. So these... That infomercials these kind of better call ball legal advice or um <laughs> just for joe's just for like joe's. <laughs> and, and yeah. sort of housing investment tips um infomercial like these things made for great interspersals between the two or three play motions so in every yeah. gap there was a a little bit of ball made it quite meta <laughs> yeah made it quite meta yeah you know, say. Falcon's really scarred, and I guess I'm scarred too, because <laughs> I just keep seeing crystal ball everywhere. So creepy. <laughs> yeah. Guys, I don't even want to. Falcon is scarred. Well, <laughs> I feel like that's a conversation that's going to come up in this episode. Um, oh yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. 
Yeah. Um, oh, I love that. Thank you, Buttface. <laughs> Buttface69 says, Troy's work on the play motions were like a Kojima fever dream. I loved it so much. Seems you got a fan. Oh, Troy. That's great. Yeah. I agree with that. And I, I remember a lot of the conversations that we had about clairvoyance and where it could go and how it could go and crazy stuff. And yeah, it's just the final product came together so well. And, and still, it's, it's still in product. I mean, it's in production. I mean, th this is what I like to consider the A plot of G.I. Jobu Play Motions. We might do special missions on the side. I happen to be working on one as we speak. Well, not quite as Very we speak. Nice. But yeah, it's concurrent he's, with this. He's filming um, right now. <laughs> no, this <laughs> stuff's all in the can, actually. I'm chewing wow. through footage shot uh, back in my Cape Town holiday. So... Oh, nice. Expect to see some some beautiful South African scenery well into this year, um, but besides that, yeah, red glare and the sort of the GI Joburg uh, space program, I'd like to say, is is kind of our a plot. Everything else branches out from it. So, Troy, I thank you once again for even suggesting that we cap off. Uh, Can you see in dawn's early lights? Because this wasn't on the cards for me like we were if we dial back to i think it was october of last year when we were debating what our next play motion should be this hadn't occurred to me as an option and you planted the seed and oh, hey yes that seed has has taken hold man yeah, yeah we I'm were coming with you... tons of new ideas but yeah troy yeah and I, I was just like come on guys we have uh clairvoyance and red glare to finish up and i mm -hmm. i kind of threw it out there as a joke and i didn't think that you would um Go with it because you had some really other really good ideas to go with also and then i knew that you already had like the one scene of uh after uh the helicopters coming in and falcons driving away in, in the awe striker on the first attack when they start coming through i knew you had that scene but like to put the rest of it together uh, i know it was shot in south africa you're in australia and it's like oh all the all the toys are not with you so i was like oh that's mm -hmm. not going to happen but I, you know, I still pushed for it anyway, and hey, <laughs> everything aligned and it worked out. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I was gonna say I'm glad. I mean, we have ideas. We can use, we can do them whenever we want. But I think it's cool that we actually continued something that hadn't been finished. So, in many respects, it was the path of least resistance because Red Glare <laughs> actually had a finished script that mm -hmm. we'd already started shooting on, albeit something that I had to really dig through my Google Docs to find. Because uh, it was, you know, as I say, three years old to that point. Mm -hmm. um, but it was there, it was ready to go. And I was ready just a case of, as, uh, you know, my my cohort, George Lucas would say, just, just gathering the raw material. <laughs> <Your cohort. laughs> gathering, gathering the raw material. You know, the, the movie really takes shape in, in the edit bay. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I, I enlisted my two boys, my Paul and my Rob. And off we went. Oh, no, no. Tell me about. Well, we've spoken about that day, but it was it was kind of a late afternoon almost. We were we were really up against um, a hard deadline in terms of the light. Yeah. Um, but off we went to the beach. Yeah. Um, it, it was the first time we'd been together after a number of days tumbled by without mm. having any opportunity to shoot anything. But I kind of never wanted to lean too heavily onto making Paul's visit like a work visit 
And mm. if we shot stuff, it had to be organic to what we were doing. And mm. I think we succeeded in that. It never felt terribly forced. I agree. So the fact yeah. that that last action sequence is a bit loose, well, certainly looser than, than I would do it if shooting alone, because you, know, you wouldn't even see me in the frame. Um, yeah. <laughs> it was jubilant. Well, I mean, you got to see all of us and Cecilia too. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yep, she's famous, man. She, she totally got into yeah. like she's really there it. She's really the sky storm. I loved it. Yep. Yep. I was that telling I was telling right there. <laughs> I was telling Steven is like, look, her lips are puckering. She's making sound effects. She is all in and I love it. Love it, love it, love it. <laughs> Absolutely is. Right? In spite of the fact that she's got a, a little Hitler director lying on his back sort of beneath her saying, yeah, get a bit closer. Just just a bit closer. <laughs> Stoop down. Go lower. <laughs> Pass the camera closer. Get tight. If okay. you're going to be in the shot, you might as well fly something. <laughs> bank. No, bank means turn. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> Stuff, it means right. <laughs> but yeah, Cecilia acquitted herself very well. And not only was she on camera flying the sky storm, but I think in one or two background shots, like the really <laughs> wide ones, she's like, she's, chilling. she's sitting on her towel. Yeah. <laughs> no. It's a very warts and all sequence, but I think that's on brand, honestly. For the guys yeah. who never shy away from putting their hands in the shot, why don't we put our girlfriends in a shot as well? Hey. Exactly. <laughs> it could exactly. only sweeten, sweeten the vis visuals, eh? Yeah, but it, it's also cool for like, you know, future us, you know, when we're like 70, you know, and we watch these again. It's cool, for, you know. Yeah. We'd be like, that's up. how handsome I was. Whoa. Whoa. I could walk. <laughs> that's me before <laughs> robot legs. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. Troy, you shot me a lovely little, um, sort of hit list rap sheet on uh talking points that you wanted to bring up i i don't know i mean i'm quite happy with the more organic approach but if there's anything burning that you'd like to address um now's the time man please feel free to take uh, take control of this chat they're certainly coming up as we go along i'm seeing mm -hmm. them too yeah they're coming they're coming through so i guess also speaking of the organic shooting and and you're right the the helicopter battle scene was all very organic and it was I picked a few <laughs> I picked up a few shooting tricks it's like I see okay helicopter in one hand camera in the other and everybody's moving around and you've got your still camera it's like running around it's like it'll make sense in the edit bay <laughs> it, yeah, you, it works you get you get to that point in the day when it's just like okay uh, honestly uh, we could script this move for move and make it all make oh, logical awesome. sense in camera or we could just have a dog fight as yeah. we would as kids with yep. all that sort of chaotic action. And then, as I said, try and make sense of it in the edits and make sense of it with the voiceover. Troy, you did a lot of heavy lifting there as Windmill's voice, just with lines of like, oh, where are these guys? They're all over me. Like, oh, I didn't know they I'm could hit. do that. I'm like, hit. I'm going yeah, down. Going down I, to again. My, to my yeah. shock and horror, realized that it wasn't something that we'd not shot. It's sort of, it wasn't something that disappeared because of technical gremlins. I realized we we didn't have a single shot of the Skystorm actually crashing out. So, yeah, what's, yeah, Troy, you, your voiceover is basically the only thing informing the audience that uh, the Skystorm is, is out of commission. Again? Are you sure? Because I, I thought killed I saw off camera. a, a <laughs> yeah. scene where it did go off screen. Well, well, I, I think I just used 
Yeah, there, there was a sort of an outtake of it being like lowered or, or past yeah. the camera. And I just isolated that and was like, <laughs> oh, oh. I'm thinking, I, I was looking at the Sky Storm um, last night again. And I was like, I was looking at like, it has all the little Cobra emblems printed on the side of it. You know, thinking like those are the ones that Windmill shot down, but like mm. Windmill is a pilot in our play motions. He's two for two. He shot down twice. So maybe that's <laughs> him getting knocked down or how many planes he's wrecked. Like, this is my second <laughs> Sky Storm. <laughs> gone down again. Yes. Uh, he windmill. jinxed himself by wearing like a high visibility flight suit. It's just like yep. he's he's born to crash. He's yep. born for search and rescue. <laughs> like, I'm hey going guys, down. I'm over come here. find me, guys. Yeah, come get me. <laughs> So, which brings me to the voices, actually, which yeah. is, uh, and, I, and I'm sorry if I sound like I'm jumping ahead here, but one of my favorite things in this uh, episode in particular was the voice work. I loved, um, everybody just came together so nicely. And, and um, it's always, a, it, like, sorry to bring myself into this now, but it's always a shining moment for me <laughs> if I do a voice and Celia, for example, doesn't, uh, Celia and my parents don't pick up, it's me. Ah. I love that. Oh. Yeah, so like, because I, I really do revel in that sort of anonymity <laughs> for it, mm -hmm. and it was great. I mean, I'm sure you guys can pick it up, obviously, but, and uh, yeah, but that was a cool thing, and that made me very happy. And then also Rob's voice. Uh, Rob, I didn't pick it up, uh, pick up, it was you for a second on the one character, and I was like... What oh, what on, on Rob. Flint? Sneak uh, peek? No, no I mean, sneak peek is pretty straightforward. I mean, that's just me talking. Yeah, that's very wrong. A bit but, lower. But you're Flint. <laughs> I kept, uh, yeah, I'm sorry. I almost thought you were, I almost said Hawk, but yes, you're Flint. I didn't realize that was you. I was like, well, Stephen was like, he, he was like, I, I'm doing all the guys in charge and I don't want them all to sound exactly the same. So can you, can you like step in and do this? And I was like, yeah, for sure I can. I'm Flint. <laughs> Rob, you've always had a much bigger Flint boner than, than I have. Oh, for sure. So yeah, it's made a lot it's more a sense. You, you had eco warriors flint growing up and then when we were young teens you had uh, atomic stomp flint yeah <laughs> the new sculpt era one and so yeah flint has been your guy far more than he's ever been mine For sure. so it was it was a nice return to to those old days i'd like to credit our only female voice um she played double duty as uh, as as baroness and scarlet and her name is melissa and old friend of mine and work colleague from back in the day when we used to tread the boards however i recorded her after she'd found out she was pregnant and ah. so getting getting a take that didn't devolve into like crazed giggles um <laughs> was a challenge <laughs> i think at one point you can hear like a car screeching in the background because literally that is the only way i could have gotten that line um there was no other cleaner take but yeah it was, it was good fun. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> Wait, that was yeah. that was Melissa. I time. thought that was Paul. I thought that was Paul doing those voices. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I just like, really I just disguising. Pitched, I pitch shifted him up a few. Uh, what do you call? Yeah, I really had to grab my nuts on that one. And <laughs> <laughs> um, and Steve, that's uh, and then it gives us the opportunity uh, to then mm -hmm. point spotlight at you. Um, and I know that you carried a lot of the voices, but uh, yeah, dude, the the the. Diversity in your voice there is also really fantastic, uh, especially is. like the Stradivite. Uh, um, I want to say, yeah, this is Stradivite, but uh, I like that a little bit. 
That was very cool. No, oh, Stratovisor is actually no. but Phase Six Nine, our resident. Uh, no, 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 not in the joke. Oh. Is it? Then when Baroness is turning to the comms, then who does she speak mm -hmm. to? Why do I keep thinking oh, that's Stratovisor? Okay, yes, that was a Stratovisor. Fine, Paul, you got me. That was that was. Yeah. That was I thought I was yeah. going crazy. Sorry, like. Uh. But this is a really <laughs> but, good impression of Stephen no. doing an impression of Stratovisor. <laughs> <laughs> face is great on that. Candy, yeah, I love that shit, man. That was so good. It's good. He knows exactly what to say, and it's very authentic. I mean, it better be. Mm. If you know a military aviator and you have like radio babble, you'd be dumb not to use him. So yep, yeah, exactly. he was an absolute shoe, and thank you very much. But face six nine. <laughs> I enjoyed the conversation that Rob and I had uh, with Falcon and Sneak Peek, and, and kind of listening to it and watching it again. It's just like Falcon's just trying to be very chatty, and Sneak Peek's like, "Yes, no." <laughs> straight answers not elaborating much on anything and it's like oh you know that fits his character you know the guy who's out all alone looking through a little uh peephole you know he mm. doesn't want to be talking <laughs> have a lot to talk about it. he's like i'm all about business don't think my That's mom and pa will like me in the sky want yep. my feet down on the ground no no like yeah i i call that um version of rob that's robin a plane <laughs> because when you're staying in an airplane <laughs> and random people like speak to Rob, he's like, Yes, yeah, no, I'm sure. looking through people <laughs> at Scarlet changing. <laughs> Shut up, no, Falcon. I, mean, I got places to be, I got periscopes to look through. I'll just forever have that moment uh, in my head from being on the plane with our overhead luggage and Rob, like, sort of being half passed out in that aisle seat and that uh, family trying to sneak their bag into our overhead. And Rob's like, no, <laughs> I'll never have that stuck in my head. It's just the way he just, it's like, no. It's like, she's like, nah, nah, nah. no. And she like kind of stops and like slowly brings her bag back and then looks for somewhere else to put it. <laughs> so for quick. context, we had a bag full of G.I. Joe parts and toys mm -hmm. uh, smuggled into that plane. So it was yeah. a very precarious uh, arrangement. We didn't Fresh. want anyone yeah, crushing them. Yeah, we're not an unfriendly bunch of assholes. It's just, yeah, the toys. Yeah, we we can get the that. toys. Mm -hmm. yeah, so. mm -hmm. Well, somebody Speaking think of, of that the conversation. children. Oh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <The children. laughs> Speaking of that conversation, Stephen, how did you get that, that, that low angle shot of sneak peek looking at the stars? Well, you tell, do I tell. Got a credit fellow Bergforce member, MCDJ ACDC, who in our international backyard video, Seconds to Midnight, used a uh, rear projection basically like he put up a uh, an image of uh, the earth from space on his flat screen put the mm -hmm. defiant or the cobra controlled defiant in front of that and just shot up against it, and it looked pretty convincing it's um similar to what they do in star wars productions nowadays when they shoot inside the volume which is just a, basically a giant projected environment like yeah, led screens. screens yeah yeah tv screens basically um so that star field is literally just up on the tv it's really um, smart there beautiful well, I mean, capturing you... stars I, I mean anyone who's tried to film stars would know this like setting your exposure to actually pick up these little pinpricks of light means <sighs> that anything in the foreground is overexposed completely so mm -hmm. your subjects would be just white hot um so having a project or having an led screen 
showing you the stars, which actually give off a more immediate light source, is a way of capturing both that and the subject in camera at the same time without overexposing them. I don't know cameras much, but that much I do know. I kind of thought that's what you did. Um, yeah. Did you have to do oh, any adjustments pretty, on, man. on your TV screen? Did you do anything? Because like sometimes when you shoot TVs, they look very blue. Mm. I think I just tubes, I just maybe. darkened. Yeah, no, I think like the LEDs are are pretty good nowadays. I mean, they're, okay. they're getting insanely good. This is an older TV. This is something I bought for my parents like probably a decade ago. Um, so yeah, it's yeah, it looked pretty jazzy as I say, and and gives that atmosphere that yes, we are beneath a star field, and they're talking about yeah. GI Joe's space program and its future. And whether or not Sneak Peek wants to be a part of it, and Falcon's like, oh, come on, man, let's let's go to the stars, let's be all we can be. Um, yeah. yeah, it needed it needed that as a third character in the room or in the in the scene, the stars. And of course, that that segues nicely to the fact that up in the sky, beneath those same stars, scars, beneath those same stars, is some very hostile forces, uh, Cobra Night Raven, cutting through the yes. night sky. Mm. It's I love, yeah. Sorry, yeah. You love, yeah. I love the the backpack, Baroness's backpack, just <laughs> on the bottom of the of the Night Raven. And <laughs> so cool. In hindsight, in hindsight, I should have maybe carved up a marble or something because it doesn't. Baroness's backpack doesn't look like an optic. I mean, it looks very no. snake themed, but to use it as the shutter for a spy camera, it's just a pity that the Night Raven itself doesn't have any kind of molding detail that could be. Like an electronics package or or camera. Well, it's sold it's with a the spy sound Yeah, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> Old school shutters. Right. Uh, we're still playing this no, in the nineteen eighties. They're not shooting digital. Yep. Yeah, but I mean the, the, the spy cams on the SR seventy one were uh, or were almost as advanced as the plane was for that time as well. So that's something that doesn't get spoken about a lot uh, is the actual cameras used on that plane for taking know footage <laughs> and where were where were they housed was there just like a a, a a glass panel on the underside somewhere like really no old? it's it's um it's somewhere obscure i remember it's it's actually it if i'm not mistaken and i'm damn and i bring this up and i'm like trying to remember but it's actually something that it opens up at the bottom it's like it's actually what? a metal plate that's closed and then like sort of all, when i say metal plate it's an ss71 one of the plates or something opens and the camera is exposed and then the camera shows off and then it closes it's like a whole yeah. thing yeah i suppose you, you don't want to have a weak point like that exposed to you know friction of extreme yeah, speeds it's something like that if i can remember correctly i could be getting it confused with another plane now but i remember it being something like that, that i hope this I discussion is a springboard me. to you uh thirsty for knowledge types out there to now do your research on the camera technology of the SR-71. Yes, tell us. Tell us. <laughs> Hit us in the comments below. Um, we know you okay. will. <laughs> Look, I just, I, it, it was it was, it was was late. Uh, I always had very finite time in the evenings to kind of cram these pickups. So I just reached for the, the nearest camera-ish looking thing. And that was, yeah, that was Baroness's backpack. It finally has some practical use. Rob has yeah. some information here for us. Hey, the optical bar camera, or OBC, which is actually in but the yeah, nose of the SR-71. essentially what we all described. You had it in the right spot. Yay. Yay. <laughs> Steven, 
How did you know? These are top secret American secrets. Well, now I should have just got a piece of, of, of like, I don't know, cardboard or like like opaque stuff and just put it in the the nose of the the raven. So what Rob's showing us is, yeah, there is a glass panel in the sort of the the curvature of the SR-71's nose cone um, that kind of angles a little bit forward, but mainly down. And inside is the sophisticated camera. So does that glass panel, does it have a, a metal or ceramic um, covering that slides forward as, and backwards? As far as I can tell, it's basically, it, it's always see-through. Okay. I would say, there probably is no need to cover it up if it has the thick glass. Yeah. You know, probably. And how the camera works is it's basically just panning left and right all the time. It's automatically uh-huh. moving back and forth. It's basically the, the pilot turns it on or turns it off. It does its thing. Um, yeah. And then you get, you get these like crazy big photos. Which each each oh, photo is apparently two nautical miles along ground track by 36 nautical miles to each side of ground track. So each picture and takes a huge... It's shooting stills? Yes. Or is it shooting video? Okay. Photographs. Amazing. Amazing. I mean, at the speed they're going at, I, I don't... You, you could never do film. I don't think. True. You'd have to have a very quick shutter. But at the same yeah. time, it, it, it would have to be shooting by day. I don't know. Once again, it's out of my wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. But anyway, but, yeah, interesting little um, slide track it went on. <laughs> Gaz says the SR-71 also carried an optical bar. Oh, he has yeah, come through as well. We Same information. The optical bar camera mounted to the nose that took a picture 72 miles wide, which in one hour's time covered 100,000 square miles. Wow. Okay. Wow, that's pretty wide. Sometimes you underestimate exactly how powerful these these aircraft optics were like you send mm-hmm. an sr 71 up you're gonna have a lot of intel gathered over mm-hmm. that entire area amazing thank you guys thank you rob good boys oh, yeah. cool speaking of the night raven and sr 71 um who came up with the cool use of the hidden gun in that next point <laughs> yeah very cool <laughs> rob's uh <laughs> He's I love own horn, mate. <laughs> well, okay. talk about your motivation there, Rob. So we went up to uh, our favorite little hillside, uh, Signal Hill in Cape Town, if you know it. And we were shooting the F-18s and their unfortunate demise at the hands of a very sneaky Raven pilot. And we were like, oh, should they get shot down by missiles? Nah, but it'd be nice if we get both planes in the frame somehow. But like, yeah. how do you do and that? We'd use this... missiles so much already mm. in, 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 in the, you know, this, this video. Um, so I was like, let's just use the gun. I mean, it's so brazen. It feels but like how, something in the stratovac How can we use the do gun? It. Well, you just how? sneak right up there because they can't oh. even see them anyway. Because and then that of, satisfies you know, my need to have both planes in the same frame. Exactly. Oh. They yeah. just... He blows him up. He he slides away and he just laughs. He's like, "Cobra owns the skies." <laughs> <laughs> so yes, it's it. I mean, it strains believability, of course, because oh, absolutely. Like, but I mean, you, modern aircraft combat happening it. over many nautical miles, like to have them right up close to one another, get you into like cartoon terrain. But it, which is which is nice. I mean, yes, we we kind of have the. It's a nice juxtaposition between um, the kind of our comic book realism versus, I mean, it's nice to add more of the kind of, um, yeah, the cartoon funness 
of just like what can these things do you know it can do I'm, that it has the gun just, just use it i'm absolutely in favor with that i mean obviously because like i didn't say no rob on the day <laughs> yeah absolutely because i think my sensibilities are turning more towards the cartoon these days um hell yeah it's 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 a rabbit hole that i'm not prepared to go down with my plastic action figures um being ultra realistic <laughs> like i leave that in the hands of oh well the burgeoning number of classified play motions out there most recently rob the hunter and also our buddy data links magnus these are the guys carrying the torch for like the six inch scale and exactly the kind of realism you can get from those guys me i'm i'm all about like i don't know it, just just inviting the more more toyetic play oh, yeah, into these games well, the way the way I the way I look at it is, if Top Gun can have two Tomcats flying upside down, very close together, enough for Tom Cruise to to flip off the other guy with the Pepsi can coming out of the cockpit, <laughs> you know, it's an easy stretch to sneak underneath a plane, launch a little gun, and boop, 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 you know, it's perfect. It's like what else is that gun used for? It's perfect. It's the equivalent. It. It's the equivalent of like a street brawl where you headbutt the other guy. It's like yeah, you're getting yeah, so yeah. close that you're gonna potentially hurt yourself quite badly but you just want the ultimate fu of like i'm gonna shoot you from your underside with my dumb rear-facing gun yeah. i mean the only Which... thing more absurd is if they rolled down the window and shot a handgun i mean be... <laughs> tossed toss in a hand you go yeah. in the intake <laughs> <laughs> hilarious but very toyetic and very cartoon uh influenced i suppose which makes for a great segue to the way this thing ended uh it was not a suggestion of mine to attach the mamba pods to the mcc and have cobra drag it off that way this was the brainchild of mr smith troy my boy always bringing the the more tuned sensibilities and i thank you for it because what an unseen little plot twist and it garnered more than one comment of like i've never thought to use the mamba pods like that well, well, thank you. I mean, I, they just look like jet rockets. And I was like, oh, you know, it'd be cool if they had like magnetics just to stick to the MCC and just kind of lift it up. Because how else are you going to steal something that big? You got to lift it. And I think I've seen it in a cartoon. I mean, it's the equivalent of uh, Cobra going in with a gigantic net and capturing yeah. something and lifting it away. It's like no, it's Pyramid of Darkness. Where yeah, they, exactly. They stop the yeah. G.I. Joe shuttle by putting a net over the top <laughs> and like they have this like reaction control thruster attached to the side. So they're dragging it with his tanks rolling alongside, holding onto the net. I mean, it's that is that defies all belief. I mean, it's just, that's yeah. just for fun. Ours is slightly <laughs> less um extraneous, but yeah, man, it's it's it was a cool idea that... and it saved us from have, having a very convoluted conclusion. Because at one point we were like, okay, Cobra's going to um basically dismantle the the section of the mcc that they need and then put that into a transport chopper like ugh, to have a sequence with like techno vipers and cutting torches would have just dragged out the proceedings whereas mm -hmm. just having the mamba pods detach and then magnetically zoom, attach to the sides of the mcc and then launch it ah perfect chef's kiss sir thank you Oh well, Indeed. thank you. I'm surprised. I'm surprised you went with it too, because when we had the conversation, you're like, "No, it's not believable." You're like doing calculations in your head, like how much power and thrust do we need to lift? How heavy is the ATC? <laughs> <laughs> this Just is so unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, and like, it's one of the it. it's 
the most memorable thing. I mean, one of the most memorable things from the episode. Like literally every other comment, people are like they can't believe you, we did this. It's absolutely amazing. It's unexpected. Um, yeah, it's definitely. Right. Like of course, this, you're like, going to win that argument brilliant. because uh, I wanted to knock off and uh, and have a lager. So I was like, how do I wrap <laughs> this up quickly? Oh yeah, let's do Troy's yeah. idea. Let's do it. <laughs> very Indiana Jones of you. <laughs> yeah, if you, if you only had two, it wouldn't be enough. But since you had four, it made perfect sense. Hell yeah. Yeah. Because that you know, it, it's easy enough, yeah. Yeah. You know, I, the other thing about the Mamba helicopter, I don't know, Stephen, have you told that story publicly? It's like how the one time that you went out that uh, they thought the Mamba pilots were drones or copters were drones and they wouldn't let you enter? We had a whole bunch of helicopters that day. It was the Mambas. We had um, the Chapmay sort of Chinook-ish helicopter. Mm. Um, mm. And yeah, we were in a nature reserve, which is where we shot uh, Blazing Sand all those years ago. Um, anyway, okay. so Rob and I were there and they denied us access. They were like, you can't fly drones in here. We were like, these aren't drones. They're <laughs> plastic <just> toys. toys. <laughs> and they actually called in the supervisor who was off-site. Like he drove <laughs> in, like we sat there and waited, oh God, pissed, like pissed away, I think an hour and a, no, it was closer to an hour. More than that. Jesus. Yeah. Wow. Waiting for this guy to arrive and thinking, Crazy. well, we don't have much time anyway. So that put a cramp on things from the beginning. And then I think it got so hot there that we were like, no, we can't continue. Because, I mean, Rob and I had the full shooting script for the entire battle. Yeah. We had the MCC packed in the back of the car. Uh, mm -hmm. We were gonna ferry things to and fro that 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 uh, location, as and when we needed it. We had those big foam structures which we used as the entrance to the the pit, and we just couldn't make our day, man. We did yeah. the sequence. The sequence that we did shoot wound up being the assault, like as the cobras are landing. Mm -hmm. So everything mm -hmm. from Falcon picking up a uh, sneak peek to then the Cobras surrounding the the lift structure. That was all shot on that day. But we, we had okay. high hopes that we'd shoot, as I say, everything Everything, else. just get it all done. But yeah, like yeah. thankfully the manager did arrive. He said, yeah, guys, these are obviously toys. I, I obviously, I, you guys are stupid. <laughs> so let, let them <laughs> that in. That must have been a fun day. It, yeah. It, and yeah, so there was, that was a big down. And, and like, I think halfway through us shooting that sequence, Stephen's phone died because it was so hot. <laughs> Oh, um, God, I think we managed to get a few shots with mine. Um, but yeah, uh, thankfully we did get stuff, some stuff done that day. But it was a very, it was a difficult day, but a good yeah. story. That, afterwards. that elevator lift setup was pretty sweet. I mean, the, the pack, the techni technical battle platform to be the structure and have the way you raised it up. And that's pretty clever. <laughs> a little bit so, of cool. trick photography and forced perspective. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, it. I think yeah. that that polystyrene gray structure that I had painted up, it fits the um, the 1983 HQ mm -hmm. uh, lift quite perfectly. Mm -hmm. So just using yep. the leveling legs of the transportal tactical battle platform. Like guys, I am not a dio maker by any stretch. So if I can repurpose parts, that's the way to go. Uh, yeah, it looks and great if they're Joe camera. parts, nice, thanks. And look, it just gives you, I suppose, an added dimension to use these parts. Like it, it blew my mind when I saw a custom entry at Joe Fest, Joe Con, um, when we went, just using one of the transportable tactical battle platform legs as a vending machine. Mm. Like cut a screen out in the, the leg and, and put a 
uh, it was from Big, the Tom Hanks film. Mm-hmm. Ask whatever it is, the, the, the fortune teller vending machine thing. Oh, yes, yeah, when just... he wants to be a kid again. Exactly. Yeah. So these parts have endless reuse potential. If you've got like stuff sitting in a drawer or in a cupboard somewhere, like, and it, it doesn't need, to, it's just a spare, there are ways of integrating that into your collection today. Just got to be creative, I guess. Yeah. So thanks. So, and you're welcome. And I, I noticed that um, on the side of that styrofoam, you put like a very thin slither of like part of the eight, uh, headquarters that makes like the corner door going into the tank portion, I believe. You know, just uh, adding that little plastic piece makes a nice little, mm. um, little, I don't know, added detail that just sells it. And if I, yeah. if I, Something if I look very close, yeah. yeah, and if I yeah. look very closely, did you use the bottom side of the flag to put the defiant on? Is that what that's sitting on? <laughs> that whole sequence was shot just in my childhood room's cupboard. And so okay. the flooring was like co- a mix of carpet and wood. And I just wanted to mask that as best I could. So, yes, absolutely. It's an overturned flag deck plate. Yeah, works. Just to it give it some good. kind of, I suppose, technical look to it. It's like it's a, a hard interior decking, floor planting of some mm-hmm. kind. But yeah. So I, I was saying use this, what you got. This ep- yeah, absolutely. This episode has like, it's unique that it has all the major plot or like sets. It has the flag, it has the Defiant, it has the mobile command center. And now we have to say it's like, you know, since you use the lift, it has the original uh, G.I. Joe base. So it's got four major play sets and the technical battle platform, five. So well done. Use the all the toys. <laughs> all the big toys. Uh, it just didn't use the pterodrome, sadly. I could have. I mean, I used a Storia's base, that big snakehead brown <laughs> thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not that big, That was actually. pretty cool. And you use them forced perspective to get that low angle though in hindsight i wish i'd shot that against a star field using that um rear projection technique because that would have sold the scale even better instead of just taking it into the garden you know but hey you live and learn it it feels like that's like baroness's hideout like that's her her little area and like you guys gave her her own attack force which was pretty cool so it's kind of cool like cobra has all little teeny factions so i guess baroness has her little faction of uh the athena god yes that was pretty cool i was calling it that (laughs) (laughs) yeah that yeah no there's lots of clever little tricks i gotta say that uh rear screen projection thing i didn't notice like only now when like rob mentioned something about it uh did i give it some thought and go oh yeah Paul, <laughs> you're such a dear. You've tried shooting at night. You know how. I mean, you tried no, shooting under a full moon. That that you just don't have enough lights at all. You just can't. You have to bring your own lights. But that's what I thought that maybe you did. I thought maybe you went outside. I oh, mean, yeah. this is you know. I thought maybe you went outside and just put like a heavy light on the craft itself, and then for some reason your phone just you know transcended you know the physical boundaries <laughs> of you know <laughs> optical technology. And just was able to shoot at the correct exposure. I don't know. My my, my mind is a funny place. Um, then again, I have seen one of those Huawei phones uh, that somebody shoot the uh, moon. My God, it's crazy, you know. But anyway, in your that's phone. Not, 
But yeah, no, dude, I think yeah. it's 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 cool that our version of Jojo does have Baroness like with her own force, and that's something mm-hmm. we can expand on in the future, which which I think is quite nice. So they've been She's decimated kind of by own... the MCC. Not for <laughs> sure, but like you know, she'll get more people. I'm like, she'll be fine. Yeah, everybody wants to die for the Baroness, and she succeeded. I mean, she you know she yeah, she stole the MCC. So I mean, Cobra Commander will definitely give her more troops. Wow, <laughs> actually, I didn't even. Uh, I'm only thinking about this now, and I'm like, wow, that's like a serious win. Go us, hey? Like, how subtle did we take a female character? And, uh, oh, yeah, dude. Yeah, like, nice, nice, Steve, nice, Troy. Very well done (laughs) on that one. We're very progressive on G.I. Jobrick. I guess my only regret then is that she wasn't personally involved in the action. But that was mainly a faux pas of like, shit to do, man. Yeah, yeah, I suppose it just would have been a nice capping. Like she's there at the beginning of the episode, kind of pushing for this mission. The commander greenlights it and says, "Oh, use your own troops, thanks." It would be nice if she was there right at the end, like riding the MCC into the sunset <laughs> with a nice big Baroness laugh. Well, that's going <laughs> to be a great starting scene oh, for the next episode. Oh, yep, absolutely. I'm, I'm thinking Star, Star Wars. She's going to come down with it. She's going to be laughing. She'll jump down. She'll be like, look, Cobra Commander, I did what you thought was impossible. Well, then casting our mind forward, gents, to cap off this chat, where do you see this series going? Uh, I'm not going to tip my hand because I obviously have some inside information, but Paul, Rob, Troy, spitball, man. What happens? I don't want to. I, I'm scared of extrapolating and going deep into that right now because I'm worried about spoilers and all kinds don't of worry. stuff. Don't worry. Your suggestions yeah. will be shot down. Whatever <laughs> we say, I, Stephen, we'll just do something else. I know. <laughs> I do know that there is a very interesting map shot in my future. And having watched the episode and seeing how that all went down, I'm like, I've got to do that map shot. Um, and yeah, Mr. Background Artist, come on. Yeah, I, I want to do professional that, skills. Like, I want to nail that. And I think, and, and, you know, I'm so glad you mentioned that we, you know, that you kind of lean into the cartoon and I always feel that the play motions also kind of lean into the cartoon a bit, which means I can get a little bit tuned with what I want to do with that, you know, a little bit painterly. I don't have to try and be realistic per se. So I'm very excited about that, uh, about that shot because everybody's seen the MCC has been taken, but they don't know what it's going, where it's going or what it's going to go into. And I think I kind of want to leave it at that because that I know is something that we've kind of discussed and gives us warm fuzzies inside. So that's maybe not a spoiler I want to put out now. Anyway, Rob, what do you think is going to happen? on the record, dude. It's on the record. <laughs> I hope we go to space. I'm, I'm very interested to fill more in the volume, as it were. I think that that could be quite cool. I really want to have volume, like the, the Defiant featured in, 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 in our episodes, in our, in our, in our stories. And it's a nice tease of it in, in this episode. You kind of have to, you have to take it out now. You know, it's like, it's like the smoking gun. You know, you see the gun in the, in, you know, in the, early in the movie and they try and, you, you know, someone shoots it later on. So, hell yeah. I want to go to space. Don't we all run? I <laughs> think Falcon, I think Falcon may have uh, something to say to Baroness and, and uh, to see if she really did succeed because yes, she has an MCC, but is there any fluorazine on it? Oh, the mm. miracle fuel. Yeah. And does Baroness have a comeback for that? Yeah. Mm. 
There are, so here I'm thinking he was going to go. Do you like my wang? But okay, I like what you're going with that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, an illicit romance between Falcon and Baroness. This could get very. Oh, he's banging all the Cobra babes. <laughs> Is he now? <laughs> Taking hits. He can spark on the side. Yeah, he can come here, Baroness. <laughs> I could just see Falcon inviting Baroness to go work out with him to the gym, and when she doesn't show up, he's like, "Up, oh, I knew it wouldn't work out." <laughs> oh, God. all right i see the, i see the ending happening one of two ways okay so okay. here's how the ending is going to be so spoilers everything it's all here you know i guess we can let everybody decide number one everyone's gonna die number two they all live happily ever after that's a good option it's the bf2k <laughs> it is the bf2k on board that mcc you oh, know they have a precedent for dying. <laughs> but how likable are they really going to play in this episode? You like them? Yeah, they don't have I much to do. Great. No, but I just I thought the dynamic of like how everyone has like a different character, like how their different characters come across, and how they you know you got the attitude, you got the 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 sort of heroic kind of hey we gotta go kind of guy. You know, I, I love that. That was such a great dynamic, and uh, knowing that they may die. <laughs> makes me quite sad because I, I quite liked them just from that one scene it gave them a lot it gave them a lot more character than i thought we would give them to be honest yeah yeah well they, they went all jumped the... on the suicide mission yeah basically yeah. Oh, sorry. They're, 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 they're absolutely living up to their their um well the alternate uh timelines history of themselves uh look i based their characters mainly on the figure's appearance, which is unusual for me because normally I go into the file cards, but with with guys as kind of almost throwaway as the BF2K, the file cards are I like perfunctory. Yeah, well, the, the guy who looks like the biggest nerd is the guy with, you know, the, the, the monocular, the guy who has, you know, knockdown, who has the, the, the helmet mm -hmm. that has all the sort of greeblies on it and the one eye covered. So he's the one who's like, wow, the, the, the science guy. And... The biggest kind of like tough guy is the guy with his arms exposed, i.e. Dodger. You know, he's the beefcake. He's the he's the brawn. Um, Avalanche, Avalanche and Blaster are are kind of pals, but antagonists, antagonistic to one yeah. another. Blaster's like gung ho about everything, and Avalanche is like, "You idiot!" <laughs> like, cool yeah, your jets. Avalanche's Avalanche's foul card is pretty interesting because he's he's. A survival specialist so he'd be like without back and then they did a competition and they found him like a month later uh, and he was like staying at a hotel uh, and he's from a family of poachers and he's like killed a bunch of furs and was living off of it for a month and they finally found oh, he's him a criminal something yeah Avalanche something is a criminal like straight up yeah man. so um, I, yeah i know you, joe on joe is doing you on joe podcast and he just recently had somebody on uh i think matt plasman and they were talking about Battle Force 2000. So it's very fitting. So they do have a fan. They have multiple fans. So maybe we should flesh those characters out a little more. Hmm. Spend a bit more time with them. Yeah, sure. Before yeah. their summary execution. <laughs> <laughs> Gents, let's put a pin in this chat and uh, flip over to some comic books. Because, yes, we are doing a reread of the entire ARA run from issue yeah. one to issue 300. Uh, on and from episodes issue of 300 to issue one. 
If you don't, can't remember, because it has been a while ago, we've decided to tackle it in two directions. Yeah, from issue one up and issue 300 down, which means <laughs> that why not? <laughs> this being our second session, we are going to talk about issue number two, Panic in the North Pole, and issue number 299, which is part four of All In. Guys, as always, I think it's best to take our medicine before we get our dessert. Yes. <laughs> Let's talk a little so bit about... Two, then. <laughs> oh dear, you have some damning opinions on um, the second outing of the G.I. Joe team. So guys, so guys, quickly before we get into all of that, just a little bit oh of like emergency housekeeping. Um, we've oh. had extended load shedding. Okay, we've been yes. off from seven when we were Great. supposed to only be off from 10. So my inverter is going to see its ass in the next like 10, 15 minutes. So I definitely want to jump in on my summary for, for issue 299 before I... Well, have that's why we're going to start with it, pal. Yeah. Cool, yeah. man. Sweet. What happens Sorry, in issue 299? <sighs> okay. Okay. <laughs> Serpentor Khan has officially taken over Cobra and usurped the throne, tossing Cobra Commander into a cell instead of killing him, which we all know he should do. Mindbender reveals that he has cloned the original Snake Eyes, a procedure which clearly demands that the Snake Eyes homunculus is fully clothed and tacked up in a tube filled with some green goo. Mindbender also has a zombie-making bomb. Cobra and Dawn plan their escape. Lots of gunfights, none with any consequence except for Wade getting shot, but we don't care because who is Wade anyway? Snake Eyes, Sean, Sean Eyes, kills like 30 Cobra Vipers because he and Laura are too stupid to pathfind correctly. And will Mindbender's Snake Eyes clone be successful? Will Dawn and Cobra Commander escape the facility? What is going to happen with Cobra's giant red suppository of doom? Who cares? It's mostly cuck, but thankfully it's drawn really well, or I wouldn't have gotten past the first two pages. So that would be issue 299. Oh, wow. my word. I'm going to start with our guest because he's being thrown in with Zero context. Troy, <laughs> did you read these issues as they were coming? I out? did. You did. I did. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. And I, I just really hope I don't lose my G.I. Joe cards when I say, like, who are these people? Because I didn't recognize <laughs> I had no idea who Laura was. I know Snake mm -hmm. Eyes passed it was gone, but he's back. And but it's I it was good to see it. And I was like, huh, these because I've heard people talk about all these episodes and I kind of know just by through osmosis what's been going on in the storyline, but I really enjoyed it. Actually. Uh, Paul's right. The art is pretty good. And mm. you know, it's, it's the classic GI Joe that I, I like, you know, Scarlet still is in her normal uniform. There's a few new characters. Um, plot wise. I thought it was kind of weird that Wade was there. And so Wade Sean is his son, but Sean is Snake Eyes, correct? Yeah, and, I'm so yeah. confused. Apparently, and he's gonna leave. And he's gonna leave his dad there. I'm hit, and he just walks away. And like he's like, I left you once before. I'm not gonna leave you again. He's like, go on. He's like, okay, see ya. <laughs> it's like <laughs> start, a, start a new life with a, a one-eyed Cobra God, a Crimson God. Yeah, mm. that was that was a little weird for me, but I was just you know, and this one also calls back. You know, I like the part where it it calls back to. Um, Snake Eyes memories with Scarlet and the way they did that scene looks like the classic um, comic yeah, book so drawing. I think they actually yeah. got that, the, that's pretty the cool. Art, the original artist to do that. Yeah, 
if he's, if yeah. he's still like, I mean, the same artist. Um, Rod Rod Wiggum, I think, was Wiggum, from issue yeah. uh, what was it called all it all ships at sea. Was it issue thirty six? I think so. Yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah, man, I think I think it's not that they didn't uh, redraw it. That was uh, just a scan of mm-hmm. the previous ah, panel. Interesting. It, well, it's it cool also to see kind some of the vehicles though. Sorry. Yeah, it's it's yeah. it's also kind of like the you know the way things are they still stay the same you know you still got cutter and you got still got shipwreck and they're still on the the whale looks pretty cool and they're still trying to you know they're still doing stuff you know the classic vehicles are still there the the Wolverine is still there uh, the Vamp One is still there you know it's, it has a lot of the original ingredients I, I, I dig it the hammer is there yeah yeah that was that was a surprise for me as well. Um, I know I'm like harsh on these later uh, uh, issues, but I, I kind of have this this thing with them. I go into them very negatively um, to, uh, in the hopes that something in the book will jump out and impress me or surprise me or become more enjoyable for me. Whereas uh, I think that's the opposite of what everybody else had. Not everybody else, but most people had going into them. I think a lot of people were hoping, hopefully, I, may, I hope that this issue is going to be the good one. Um, and I think that a lot of people have been disappointed. So I'm, you know, I'm, I'm doing it the other way around. I'm just going in disappointed to start with. And then if it does something that I think is cool, like in, in the art and the vehicles is great. I actually like the cover, but the cover was quite good. It's definitely better than issue 300. Um, got to say By that. the cover, you're referring to the more cartoonish uh, cover. I mean, there are obviously multiple covers, but which one yeah. is your favorite? I like the one that's got, that's got the plans on it. It's like uh, the, like little notes and doodles and things on it because like, I, I thought funny. that was quite interesting. Yeah, it's funny and it's cute and but it's it's kind lots of, of also, lots of Easter eggs. Yeah. Cobra Commander has a nice sense of humor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I'm assuming it's um, him drawing. I was just <laughs> I don't know. I'm just I, I think the thing that keeps the the thing that I like kind of find is a bit weird about the, these IDW issues is how inconsistent. They are with some of the characters in the sense of, you know, the Joes are whatever they need them to be, you know, in terms of their personality. But they always make Cobra to be out to, uh, out to be this major idiot, you know. But then, so Pentor is kind of a goofball now as well. And Mindbender has also gone kind of goofball. And, and it's just they've taken a lot of the seriousness of Cobra away, which I actually feel like they should be playing that harder. You know, like they should be playing the bad guys as bad guys not as i think it's fair to say that it services whatever need the scene has in the moment because we open mm. with serpentor being very badass he's completely mm. humiliated cobra commander and assumed control of the troops i mean you don't need to have read 298 to realize that like it opens with a splash page and serpentor khan is dragging cobra commander by his cape with a smashed mm. um, faceplate and he's, he's asking all the troops to swear loyalty to him. And they do. They're just kind of, okay, fine. As long as uh, you keep cutting the checks, Serpento Khan, we'll, we'll shout your name. Exactly. <laughs> but, I don't know. Well, I this just... one definitely has a better setup than, than 300 because I actually understand oh, yeah. more of what's going on. Like 300 just opens with, with Snake Eyes being there. At least here you kind of get a little bit more of like, okay, so that is the original Snake Eyes, according to, to Mindbender. And this is a clone, which is also the original Snake Eyes that he's made. Um, so at least you kind of get an idea of what's going on a bit better here. But I think 298 will hopefully set this up even better. 
I feel. <laughs> as, as we unearth this comic book run layer by layer. How hard it goes. I mean, it's, it's like, okay, so how does Storm Shadow show up? Eh, he's just there. Oh, Why are you here, God. Storm Shadow? Uh, obligations. Yeah, but then also, like, Scarlet has the whole... Because she's obviously, like, oh, how, the, the her reaction to seeing Storm Shadow is like, oh, how did you know about this? And he's like... Yeah. And then he still has to comment on, like, you know, by now you should know about the ninja grapevine. And I'm just because, like, just because, why am I here? Because, because Larry wanted to put me in the story. That's why. Yeah, I heard it on the, the ninja phone. <laughs> the yeah. hotline. Like all the ninja moms had a big, you know, group conference call as they do, and now you know, <laughs> whatever. Like that, that kind of. I mean, that that's what they do to try and service a new reader in here. Is basically go, oh, new reader, there's this ninja that you probably don't know who the hell this is anyway. But he's here because there's a huge ninja network. Okay, thanks. Thanks for filling in that blank. Well, since Fuck. the Joes disembark all their heavy hardware, see that Cobra's using human shields and decide, uh, no, let's get back on the plane and leave. Uh, we'll just, we'll just <laughs> fly around. They're so grateful that they, had, that they had Storm Shadow in tow. Like, he's a gigantic walking plot device of like, Okay, it's cool. He can handle the action. He can do what needs to be done, and we don't need to get our hands dirty. I'm gonna be late, but guys, mm -hmm. in the interest of moving this along to, as I say, dessert, um, let's do our highs and lows and a rating out of five, if you please. Uh, Troy, we'll start with you, my man. Wow, um, I would say four. Oh, I know that's generous. Yeah. Yeah, I'm very generous. I like that. I Ooh. liked it. Um, I would pick up more. It, had, it, it piqued my curiosity. Okay. Yeah, I, I I'd probably yeah. say the same. It, it it's an interesting issue. It's like how do you how do you, how do they get to this point? Because I mean, mm -hmm. at, at least this issue does lead into the next one. You know, there's kind of like a follow through. Um, you know, they they're still set up in the forest. Um, and the cool thing is, there's also things that are implied as well. You're not always shown everything. Like when Dawn is kind of like, so how does that helmet work? You know, there's a callback to when mm -hmm. he used to have an explosive in there. And then I she's like, like she's like, well, we could actually use it to escape. And then in the next issue, instead of wasting time showing them escaping, it's just like, you understand having read this issue that they blew up the, the thing and they escaped. Um, so he does kind of have a way of kind of like just pushing things along when it's not necessary to just show everything. Yeah. Um, so there's, there is connective that. tissue between this one and the next one. So I'm curious to see the previous issue to see if you know what how that kind of sets up this one. How does Serpento Khan um, take out uh, Cobra, you know, Cobra Commander? Yeah. So hmm. I, I'd probably give it like a three out of five, I think. I think it's a decent issue. There's a bit of nuance to that dialogue, which I've only just gotten. And that's the fact that Cobra Commander is trying to convince Dawn... I mean, they're sharing a cell together and they're looking for a way to break out. But he's trying to convince her that there is no explosive in the helmet. Mm -hmm. Because so also, if old, you really if you, put too, <laughs> if you put too much thought into it, it's actually kind of like a silly mechanism because it's like, oh, okay, ridiculous. so to kill you, Cobra Commander, all I have to do is just try and take touch your, helmet. your helmet, basically, and then you will die. <laughs> I'll die, but you'll die too. I mean, it, no. <laughs> Now, is the implication that they did use the helmet to explode uh, to, to get out, or is the implication yes. that they didn't? Because when we see them again escaping in issue 300, Copacomon is still wearing his helmet, obviously. 
He still has the helmet, but, but I imagine it's it's a it's a it's a piece of the helmet. Like there's an explosive device in there that can be detached. Okay. I don't so know. He... It's kind of like batteries in a, in a, in a, in a vehicle. You know, you can't always keep them in there. You've got to replace them every now and then. Some vehicles need to be cracked open. Uh, sonic <laughs> weld crack. Yeah. Uh, look, it's it's up to interpretation because we know that we don't yeah. get any answer, any satisfying answer to the scene. Did Cobra divulge one of the secrets of his his uniform to a known enemy? Huh, interesting. Well, Anyways, knows? I I'm looking for your rating, Rob. I'm I'm probably I'll give it a three out of five. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's it's a pretty decent issue overall. Like I wasn't like like rolling my eyes too much. I think yeah, the Sean and, and Wade scene was a bit like oh god, but um he the tone generally is pretty on point. You know, he kind of has a certain way of writing the the Cobra. He's pretty consistent with that. Although, like that, the technophobe is really chatty, and I feel that's unnecessary. But he needs to be chatty because Doctor Mindbender has to, um, you know, has to vomit out the plot essentially. Exposition viper. <laughs> uh, yeah. We've just lost Paul. <laughs> just lost Paul before he could give his rating. So uh, ah, we'll have to. We'll, we'll have, have to, to just. Find out. We'll spreadsheet it and uh, get back to you guys. Hell yeah. But I'll give it a, a passing grade, which in my opinion is a 2.5. Um, it's not a good score. It's not a bad score. Um, uh, look, all of this modern stuff is is, is a, a tough sell for me because it's overly convoluted. It's just mm. too complex for its own good. It's bearing the weight of an enormous amount of continuity to this point, but it's not helped by the multiple characters and the multiple, like, plot devices that are introduced immediately. Like if you can think about uh, a fairy tale, there's only one magic bean and that sets the characters into motion. Here we've mm. got mutant zombie bombs, like a doomsday device. We've got clones being resurrected. We've got multiple chess pieces being moved on the board. I just, I think it lacks a clear vision. Um, which is a dumb thing for me to say because we all know Larry's writing process and he's drawing a lot of of strings to try and close this bag. <laughs> so it's it's a bit of an unsatisfying read and it's all over the place and it's really boneheaded how the Joes arrived to just leave again. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I, I feel like that could have been more satisfactorily um, played out. However, but it's, it's, it's yeah. The inside information we have now is that he already knew he was going to be writing 301 at this point. So yeah. if he was so he planning for those Joes, yeah, if he was planning for those Joes to have a gigantic land battle on the island, he had to quickly veer away from that because it would then interfere with the launching of the next continuity. Mm. Anyway, I shouldn't let inside information cloud my read of this comic but it's, it's but, hard but you'd say this is definitely for gi joe fans like it's not difficult for someone outside of of gi joe to actually get into this comic book are you saying are you saying that it is or isn't and i'm asking you do you do you think this i mean i feel this is written for gi joe fans people who have read tons of comic books they, they basically they know the characters they know the history of the characters um, yeah, this is absolutely impenetrable to anyone outside of G.I. Joe. But mm, I don't I mean, think G.I. Joe is trying to attract any new fans. It certainly isn't with this kind of approach. This is steeped in tradition and, and catering exactly to us diehards. Or yeah, is it? You, I, I, th I think it is. I think, I think it definitely is. I mean, yes, is it, it, it successful in doing that? 
Well, I don't know. It sounds like you're, you're not terribly um, enamored with it. Well, look, I I think to win me over, you'd need to just make it a book about cool toys that I'm able to go out to the supermarket and purchase. And since ah, none of those things are unlikely cool to toys. ever happen, there are no <laughs> cool toys. There are no supermarkets. This is a bloody zombie apocalypse. Game over, man. Game over. Um, no, look, <laughs> I... I'm just waxing lyrical about a time that that's gone and can never come back. So mm. am I to be satisfied with what I'm given anyway as the kind of lip service? No, I don't think I am. I'll go back to reading old school comics like issue number two. Yeah, nice shall we? Mm. Uh, I, I do try. I do try. <laughs> so Panic at the North Pole was the follow-up to what Larry quite famously says he thought was going to be a one-shot. He was like, I used all my best ideas in issue number one. So when they said, oh, we're going to have a second oh, issue. It's like, oh, okay. So the, focus, successful. <laughs> the focus is very much more narrow. Uh, there are only four Joes on the principal mission. I mean, we do see a few more. Or do we even? We don't, we don't see any other Joes in this book, period. Not even mm. in the kind of more establishing shots. Unless you count General Flag as a Joe. You probably could. Um, but... It's very much focused on Stalker, Snake Eyes, Scarlet, and Breaker. Yeah. And it's it's a bottle episode. It has no continuity that immediately follows on after it. It has continuity years later, even. Um, decades later, if you if you read the, the new stuff closely. But this in and of itself is like a special mission. And that's its greatest, greatest strength. I love it. Yeah, which is, reason. I mean... Which is what I mean. But I mean, a lot of the early issues, I think, are kind of like that. I mean, mm. also, you got a taste of this sort of storytelling from the, the backup story in the first issue. Where I suppose... there's kind of like a, a, not a message, but there is kind of like a little twisty type thing at, in, in, in the tail of the story. Where it kind of like wraps it up in, in a really nice way. Satisfying. Yeah. Well, Marvel didn't know within these first 10 issues how quickly this book would go away. It was mm. a licensed thing, linked to a toy line. At any point, Hasbro could have pulled the plug or the toy sales could have declined. But no, I mean, it's the writing was on the wall after the first well, 10 issues. That it makes some for very satisfying reading. You know, you can't literally pick up any of these, the, the first 12 issues, I think, and not have to know anything about Joe and Joe. It's just like you, you're thrown into a situation and you just go from there. And the situation in issue two uh, is as follows. The Joes have their leave cancelled and shipped out to the Arctic after a remote U.S. research station is found wiped out in what appears to be a commander-style raid. Recon and, and intelligence retrieval soon turns into a hunt for the man known as Quinn the Eskimo. Oh, Quinn. Classic, mm -hmm. classic character. Criminally underrepresented in the toy line, if you ask me. Um, I didn't like his first O-ring because his head is too small. Anyways, Troy, <laughs> would you like to give us some idea of how you received this book initially? Like, was this was this something that you read back in the day, or was this something that you saw very much after the fact? How how soon did you encounter issue number two? Um, this definitely uh, when you sent it to me, I'd seeing it reminded me of it. Um, I've listened to it through other podcasts. I did. I don't think I have this episode or this uh, this one. So um, 
it was my first time actually seeing the pictures and putting it all together. And I, I know I was familiar with the plot line. And when I was looking at it, um, I was seeing Quinn and I noticed that his height is 6'10 and he's 260 pounds. And I was like, oh, that's a typo. You know, he's not 6'10. <laughs> and then I was like seeing some of the other, the art design is like, oh yeah, no, he's 7'10. I mean, he's, <laughs> he's, he's a giant. Good Lord. Yeah, he's huge. And I was like, oh, okay. All right. Now I get, now I see is like why everybody really likes him. Um, he's just a, a beast of a man. Uh, he's just is smart and uh, and capable. So in a world like, without get... Destro, he gave yeah. G.I. Joe an honorable opponent. Right. And he and he seemed very honorable. Like, even though he's a gun for hire, he's still very much like honorable and whatever like they try to they show that in his file card um never lies <laughs> yeah, always fulfills very sur- his contract very surreptitiously full like put a file card into an <laughs> issue yeah 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 uh, always fulfills his con- uh, contractual obligations to the to letter, the letter. Right. will not divulge yeah. any information about former employers or operations for any reasons. Uh, look, that that information is very key because it comes in at the yeah. end. Um, but absolutely, as I say, in a world without Destro, he beca- became GI Joe's more honourable uh, antagonist, and yeah. kind of sets up a new dimension for GI Joe because there is no Cobra in this issue. Right, it's so unique in that respect. The antagonist is Quinn, and then zooming out from that, I suppose the uh, the Union of Soviet Socialist Republics, uh, the USSR. But it's, as I say, just a cool bottle episode that I don't have much criticism for because I, I see it through nostalgia tinted goggles. Yeah. Um, but I mean, there are so many contrivances. Like it's extreme that they're able to track Quinn over this massive expanse that they are able to be captured left to die and then they in themselves out of the situation by building <laughs> an ice boat out of mm-hmm. a broken up plane not only are they able to build it in record time but they're able to make good enough time to beat quinn even with his massive head start and then build a trap <laughs> Before he arrives. And Quinn, I mean, expert hunter that he is, he doesn't seem to to catch wise. Oh, no, wait. He ah, he does actually see the trap. I mean, it's pretty obvious. They build this kind of explosive setup, this rig on this ice bridge and expect him to, I mean, in hundreds of miles of, of tundra, expect him to go under this very spot. I mean, come on, come on, guys. But yeah, look, the action plays out as it should. Everyone makes the, the correct choices for the, the book to continue. And it gives rise to one of the most satisfying last shots of all. Quinn has delivered the item to the Russians. He said, I've done everything in my power to stop G.I. Joe, but they're still out there. And they're five miles away from their weapons. Uh, well, the, the, the pins to their weapons, the firing pins, and you are just one mile away from them. So you could deny them the ability to, to, to take you on if you were an expert tracker, which you're not, and they are. So they win. We close out on a very determined Snake Eyes, and it's mm-hmm. obvious that his weapon is now functional because he has 
Quinn's weasel skull necklace. Yeah. The implication is so clear and so it's sexy, man. It's a good full stop to the issue. We don't have to see what happens next. The obvious violence is G.I. Joe. I don't know. Do you expect G.I. Joe would then take on the Russians? They were told not to be aggressive against foreign nationals. I think it's too late at that point. I mean, they, they will definitely, if, if they're not going to kill them, they, they're going to get that technology and that, that intelligence back. Hmm. Like, like, I think they have to use their, their own, um, they can't contact, you know, for flag to get any adjustments to their mission at this point. They kind of just have to do what they need to do. And yeah, I mean, overall, it's a fantastic issue. I don't think you can get much better than this. It's like a standalone issue. It's just it's got cool like philosophical stuff in it with Quinn kind of like, I respect you guys. I don't really want to have to kill you. Um yeah, it's it's so good. I really enjoy it so much. They set up a trope in this one which doesn't really get touched on in future issues. Well, it does a little bit in the first 10, but then quickly gets kind of brushed aside. I guess the stylistically the writing was finding its its feet. But uh, Darren brings it up in the chat. He says, so the beginning of issue two, anyone else get mask feelings? As in when they pick the mask agents for the episode's mission, you always see them dropping what they were doing at the call-up. And absolutely. I mean, Scarlet's at a martial arts symposium. Stalker's shooting wildlife with his camera. Breaker's about to get a date. Uh, He's working on some computers, but uh, the girls in the computer lab are all about him, man. And... Uh, Snake Eyes is in a sensory deprivation tank, which he spends many hours in. Like, just gives you this idea that Snake Eyes is a bit of a bit of a freak. Or do you imagine it helps with his extreme injuries, like to just be in the dark? But don't they also kind of, uh, you know, they're afraid to look at him, so they're they're playing up the the scarred face. So, I mean. He's clearly scarred physically and emotionally, so maybe that's why he's spending so much time there. I don't know. Yeah, he's trying to forget something like really big. Yeah. Well, not forget it, but he's yeah, he's trying to kind of like get away from it in a way, I guess. Yeah, I think for an ep- for issue two, it does make sense to have these little vignettes of these four that are going on a mission. You know, to know you get a little something about the personality. Um, you know, with Scarlet, just like okay, we're gonna leave right in the middle of a match, and and her opponent's upset, and he's like, "All right, well, hang on, one moment. I can end this now with one the whack." <laughs> <laughs> she's she's so proficient; she almost shouldn't be competing. Like right, exactly, like she's it's not a challenge to her actually. Yeah, yeah, she can KO her opponents in one move. So uh, anyway, that it's it's cool. I I cannot knock this, and it is these kind of proto moments in the GI Joe history that really have echoes throughout the history of these characters um snake eyes i suppose we don't revisit his his tank too many times beyond this point but it's definitely part of the tapestry that makes him up and he needs Mm -hmm. this like meditation almost he's a deeply kind of traumatic figure but also a spiritual figure and this is how he deals with it um scarlet is an ex stalker likes nature Yeah, well, nice they, you, it, it, they're all little moments that are obviously, I mean, I think Larry is approaching them instinctually, you know, the, the, how he's characterizing them. It's like he needed something to do at the start, and he gives them all something to do that feels 
appropriate to who they are and who we know them as later on, as well as to their file cards as well. So he is building on on stuff that he's he's already established and that has already been established too. And it's it's slow, but it's it's nice to have it at least in there. It's like they're not just complete blank canvases. There is that these are characters. These are people. Mm-hmm. Should we do some highs and lows, boys? We'll start with you, Troy. And rate it by all means. Well, I think I'll give it a four also. Because um, I got to save my fives for, you know, the uh, the the well, well, well-known issues. Yeah. Um, highlights. Uh, I, like, I like Quinn. I like the introduction of Quinn. Um, lowlights. Oh, gosh, it... I don't know if I have a low light. It just That's it just fine. seems yeah, it just seems like so solid. I mean, I like the predicament that they're in that um, you know, hey, if you need to get in a gunfight, call us first. We'll get permission. <laughs> it's like, wait a minute, that just sounds so convoluted. Um rules but, of engagement, you know, man. Yeah. Do not fire and until I, fired upon. You hear the and I like, observe. And I like how they that was worked into the storyline too. It's like, well, they left the door open, so that means nobody's in there. Let's go. Mm, I think that's a chilling yeah. moment that that like also resonates with me. It's yeah. um, the, the Joes don't know that the Russians are already dead, but the mm-hmm. fact that Quinn enters their hut and then leaves the door open as he exits, that gives the game away. Ah, it's terrific, man. Yeah, Scarlet says, "Where'd he come from? And where's he going?" Scarlet answers with, that's not the $50,000 question, Scarlet. Uh, gosh, I've lost myself. Why that's not the $50,000 question, Scarlet. <laughs> what I want to know is, why did he leave the door open? <laughs> yep. That's an awesome moment, man. Jeepers. Yeah. It's right, Scarlet. Well, you don't leave doors open up here unless nobody's home. If nobody's home, we can't initiate contact with the upper opposition, right? Right. Besides, it's got to be warmer in there than out here. I mean, this lovely like pragmatism about mm-hmm. about horrible things like death and destruction and loss. Like they, the Joes have this professional banter amongst themselves. Ah, I love it. When I was looking at the uh, the pictures again, I was seeing Quinn on his uh, Eskimo dogs, and it's like, oh, someone should make a toy of that. <laughs> Truth. Yeah. I mean, so I'm sure a lot of people repurposed. Halfway there. Well, a lot of people repurposed that Super 7 set. Yeah. I'm sure to give Quinn this exact mode of transportation. Yep. I guess it, it, uh, you're, you're either a comics guy or a cartoon guy. But it, at least yeah. Quinn had more appearances. That random blind guy who helps Snake Eyes in Master Voice. I mean, unless you yeah, believe that right. is Zartan. Yeah. 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 I'm going to give it a another four. I think I gave issue one a four, which gives me room to add my real faves. But this is rock solid and absolutely classic and has those lovely moments. Int- introduction of a timeless character. So I can forgive it all the plot contrivances because it just does the bottle episode thing so well. It's self-contained and has a satisfying conclusion. Gives me all the right feels for a, a single comic issue read. Which is oh, important. Yeah. Sometimes all you've got time for is to pick up one issue. And so issue two delivers. It's something that I think has appreciated as I've matured as well. I don't think it necessarily gives you all the thrills you want as a child. 
you certainly don't see any cool vehicle action, which would be something that I normally would turn on to. But this has character beats. So important. Mm-hmm. Mm. How about you, Rob? I, I, well, I, I don't think I have any lows for this either. Um, I think it's, it's a solid, it's solid from start to finish. And there's always like cool moments where, where they take inspiration from Quinn and then, and Quinn, even though they've been inspired by him to like lay traps, he's still better than them. Like there's no way for them to beat him basically. Like he gets Mm. them, but he also finds a way that he can figure out for himself how he can be in a way beaten you know, by the end of the issue where he's like, oh, no, I left my, my, I left the, the, the you know, the, the firing pins in, in a cave somewhere. So the spirits will, will make sure that the fear does not spread through the world. And he's <laughs> figured out his own way, how to beat himself, um, which I thought was yeah. really cool. And that final, Get all for yeah, a technicality. Final yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. You know? And yeah, I think I'd, I'd probably also give it a four out of five. I think, I think uh, leaving a space for the, absolute amazing issues is, is definitely a good way of going forward otherwise yeah five out of five would have been my my go-to it's really a lot of fun this issue i always love these kind of like isolated issues as well the arctic yeah. and the snow they really found a way to make quinn the good guy and still be opposition to gi joe it's that mm-hmm. kind of ambiguity that makes this comic book so great you don't have total black hat villains well a lot of the cobras are but You've got characters like Quinn who are opposition to the Joes and yet are still, you're rooting for them. And he Mm -hmm. absolutely holds all the cards this whole issue long. It's brilliant. It's interesting to have a book about G.I. Joe where the Joes aren't on top of things. They are absolutely underdogs at every turn. Absolutely. Uh, So Greg Blanchett wants to know if if anyone's a, a Daredevil fan. Did the Daredevil comic already establish the sensory deprivation tank, or did Larry Homer do it first with Snake Eyes? And I can't oh, that. I'm not sure. Yeah. yeah, I always thought like the sensory deprivation thing was 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 a, just a concept of the the movie, you know, the Ben Affleck film. I mean, not that oh. I've read a ton of um, Daredevil comics, but at least the classics that I've read don't seem to have it in there. Look, it's but either, I haven't read all of Daredevil. So it's I, either going to have happened in the Frank correct. Miller Daredevil or not. When did Frank Miller yeah. take on the writing? He was like a, a early eighties, I think. But then mm. also, and and Nascenti, I think it was came along after him as well, and did some fantastic runs on on Daredevil as well. So it could have been established in there too. I think it's Nascenti. Before Frank Miller, correct me if I'm wrong. Daredevil was really just Spider Man without web shooters and without being able to see like there wasn't as much more to him other than that yeah and someone of course had to the lawyer along, like frank to actually like give him an edge give him that, yeah that to make like him a ninja to give him yeah. the, the the background maybe that was copped from snake eyes maybe or maybe just Possibly. you know the idea i hope were, someone were who's read a lot of daredevil is gonna tell us please correct yeah. us inform us Lovely, lovely, lovely. Shall we wrap up with a, a little bit of new shit, boys? I'd oh, love yeah. to get some things off my chest. So, oh my goodness, <laughs> I um, the local kind of vintage toy store happened upon Micro Machines Travel City. Do you remember these toys, Rob? I feel like I do. They are oh, little... those ones. Yes. Oh yeah, Stephen little gray carry picture. cases. Right, they folded up. They folded up, right? You could put the kind of the the the, the included micro machine. Yeah, and the buildings inside. 
Yeah, but they are so cool, man. And I found the boxes as well. Classic, classic Micro Machines uh, design. For those of you who don't know, it's the the purple and pink and orange and lighter orange. Um, Micro Machines <laughs> kind of standing. It's beautiful. And then the, the classic 80s trope of like a grid pattern. Because mm. tra- Transformers obviously did it and Micro Machines did it too. I guess a grid mm-hmm. pattern looks like um, uh, blueprints material. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And definitely the box itself does feature lots of cool blueprinty type information. It's so cool. I had forgotten that the vehicles themselves were like life size on the box. Ah. Oh, sorry. The, the, the Micro Machines police are after me. Oh, um, the popo. <laughs> <laughs> and they have measurements of the vehicles to show you exactly how small they are. Amazing. <laughs> of course, you have to be able to know, uh, be au fait with metric because I think it is in millimeters. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Or maybe this is just a European packaging. For maybe America. it was different. Maybe it was regional. Sydney. Maybe they did inches. Like inches or like half inches. Inches and fractions of inches. small things in America? You do inches? fractions of inches. Fractions of inches. Oh, that's so, so confusing. Rob, America. I was, I was, I think, 37 years <laughs> young when I learned that three and three quarter inches isn't just a fun affectation. That's the actual yep. imperial measurement of. Oh, you don't actually say 3.75. Figure. You say three and three quarter inch. Yeah. All right, okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's fantastic. <laughs> And these places are cool, man. I love how it feels like the RPG map, basically. Like ah. you're, you're kind of driving along and you go into like the police station or the docks and then you kind of zoom into like a you know the platforming section inside or the battle that happens inside. There's so many nice. neat little details. And mixed in with this Micro Machines lot, the, the seller didn't know this, but he actually sold me two transformers micromasters battle stations no the uh, the iron works mm. and the firehouse called hothouse they didn't come with the micro machine uh, the micromaster action figures but it's just cool to have these transforming playsets alongside the micro machines because they are kind of analogous concepts i now just need to track down some little transformers to man it up mm. yeah but there you go they were cool they transformed into little bases did you get any G.I. Joe's or was, or was it just Micro Machines? Are we just uh, <laughs> expanding your, your son's toy collection here? <laughs> well, we went into this toy shop and he was enamored with the turtles, Teenage Mutant Ninja ah. Turtles. I think it's because oh, he just discovered the word turtle, turtle. And Aww. so I walked out with a, a Michelangelo, which is my first TNMT. TNMT. TNMT? Whatever. TNMT. <laughs> I learned turtle. that Michelangelo was the first one that Eastman and Laird actually illustrated. It was the oh, turtle that had nunchucks strapped to his, his wrists. So, hmm. yeah, Mikey was first for many of us. So, Mikey and Donnie, we walked out with, and he's been obsessed ever since. We've been climbing into that, that cartoon daily now. It's nice. all on YouTube, fortunately, all the classic tunes. So, I mean, it's the first time I've been watching a lot of these tunes because I didn't grow up with the paid subscription service that showed Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. So I had not seen any of these tunes. I think I had one or two on cassette tape, but that was it. And yes, Rob, I did get some G.I. Joe stuff. I <laughs> I opened my Sky Striker. <laughs> you did. All right. I mean, Good for you. Enough comments on that previous episode were like, you just open it. Just do it. Yeah. You just got to do it. 
Troy, oh, I take yeah. it you've opened yours? Oh, yes. I have it right behind me. Yes. Hell yeah. I did open it. And, um, you know, I, I like it. There was mm. some interesting things about it, but um, I like it a lot. I mean, I think I think it has – I love the seats. I love the parachute. Maybe a little too – I've heard it was too small. I'm not going to undo that thing. It's packed so perfectly. I'll never get it back in the way it was. <laughs> so I, I won't be throwing that out in the air. Um, but I like the seats. I like the detail in the seats. I like the, the redesigned cockpit. I like – uh, the missiles are cool. The way to add the extra missiles to it. Uh, it has so many good things. I mean, when you pull the engines out, how it has all the detail inside of it. Uh, you know, you can see the fans inside the intakes instead of just hollow holes. There's so many cool things about it. And then there's a few things that's like, oh, head slaps. <laughs> where it's like, eh. but I think the, uh, the good way outweighs the bad, I, I think. Um, in the Sky Striker. Yeah, my opinions. I'm easy to please. I, I happy to have O-rings. I have my local Brisbane buddy to thank for pushing me over the edge. Uh, mm -hmm. He also got a Sky Striker and he invited me over to his place and we just did this kind of head-to-head -head unboxing. We put on a classic cartoon Ooh. in the background. He tries to see who can unbox it faster. <laughs> well, it was a nice... Um, <laughs> It was a nice insurance policy in case any of us had messed up action figure cards. Uh, <laughs> because we could just swap amongst ourselves. I mean, he wanted to uncard all his figures. I'm a little bit more skeptical. I'm not a fan of the, the new O-rings. So I, I don't know. I haven't decided yet to do what what to do yet with, uh, ah. with mine. Right now, they're just sitting in the box. But yeah, it was just a jubilant experience. My buddy's got a, an immaculate collection, not only of G.I. Joe, but Lego and Transformers uh gem and the holograms i mean why not but he, he he's trying to convince me that that's his wife's stuff but i know i know buddy mm -hmm. i know <laughs> uh so it was perhaps a good tonic to the roller coaster that it has been my experience with the sky striker and certainly set me on a bit of a high uh to the extent that every night when i've put my son to sleep and it's time for daddy to play i can't wait to get my hands on it Mm -hmm. So yes, the, the the story does have a very happy end to it. But if you'd like more detail on this, Ooh. I encourage everyone listening to this to check out Chaplain Assistance Motorpod. The link is in the description to this podcast where I jump on with Gary V and we we go at it, man. We 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 give a rundown of the good, the bad, and the ugly, our personal experiences with the toy. Uh it's I'd say my definitive rundown on this thing, and I can finally now close the chapter uh, on the HasLab Sky Striker. You can stop being punished by me talking about it endlessly uh, <laughs> on this podcast. <laughs> um, but yes, please do check out Chaplain Assistance Motorpod. As I say, link in the description below. And thank you, Gary, for having me on your show, sir. I think the first thing that I did with the Sky Striker is that I put the uh, reserve fuel tank on underneath it, like you know, like the original one. Mm -hmm. And I was holding it by that and like oh, flying no. it around. Yeah, <laughs> it was the same badly. No, yeah, it fell right off. And I was like, luckily, no! I was like standing, ne st standing next to the couch, so it landed on the couch. I was like, oh, okay, huh, that's why I'll on say. YouTube people are holding it from the back. It's like now I get it. <laughs> Man, I have and trouble figuring I, out where I need to hold the damn thing. Yeah, hold it from the back. Um, 
I put Scarlet in in mine. She's probably oh, nice. her and Wayne. I, I didn't even open my ace yet. Uh, it's like I've got lots of aces, but I don't have any Scarlet like that. Um, and I saw somebody on you on somewhere they put uh, Wayne's head on Scarlet's body, and it's like okay. oh, that does kind of make sense that you know why does but Ace does have fit, the spacesuit? Does it fit but the other under person that doesn't. dome? Like does Wayne Riffle's head or Failsafe's head fit under the the clear helmet? That's a good question. I don't know. I didn't. Uh... Take it out to experience it. But. I don't think it does. I mean, they, they, yeah. Scarlet's head is fairly shrunken down. It is not mm. the same Scarlet head as the classic. And that's just a, a compromise to get it underneath that dome. But I'm mm -hmm. curious, Troy, how did you sticker your Sky Striker? Did you sticker it like mine? <laughs> okay. Definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> to, anyone, to anyone not watching the YouTube version, this isn't actually my Sky Striker. Someone online has taken the smorgasbord of various Sky Striker stickers and put it all over. He's got that the, is the, fantastic. I love it. The Air Force roundels on the top of the, the aircraft. He's also got the G.I. Joe movie logo on the top. He's got the Cobra Takeover wing uh, swoops. He's got the snake eyes timber with the fireball. He's mm. got the flint skull with the shotguns. It's just got Hell everything. Yeah. If Why you're not? only going to earn one of these, why not put all the stickers on? I mean, <laughs> well, I'm sure he's got on. plenty left on the sheets, but he, he definitely went with a, a goodly number of them. My goodness. Well, he will always know this is his one. <laughs> Very unique. I've kept mine clean. I want mine animation yeah. spec because in the animation, oh, okay. it was always very. Oh, hey, Troy's done the, the wings, the, the, the striping on the wings. Very tasty. Yeah. Sometimes I kind of regret that. I kind of thought maybe I should have did the brown, the, the, the red and orange one. But, you know, I don't I think I went with minimum. I didn't put all the no steps on. It already had the pre, some, a lot of the pre stickers on it. So I kind of really went minimalist and barely put anything on it. And I, I, I chose the black with the Sky Striker. Oh, looks good. And, yeah. So I figure it's like, I got plenty of white ones. Why not the black one? So yeah, I kept it minimalist. And I kind of like how they do have a lot of the pre-stickers already on it. That was pretty cool. That kind of also dissuades me from stickering up mine because mm -hmm. I've got these, mm -hmm. you know, paint applications, these stamps. Um, why, why then have this mixed medium of like stickers? And stickers stress me out, guys. I think oh, my so adult many. brain can't handle it anymore. I'm I'm so grateful to <laughs> to to have details that don't require me to sticker. Like it's it's factory applied, it's perfect, or is it? There ah. are some problems with the factory applied. Ah, don't. Yeah. Hey, yeah. Check, yeah. check out Assistance <laughs> Motorpod for the full rundown of my critique of the the applied yeah. campers. The the stickers are almost like paradox of choice. Way too much to choose from, which is nice if you have old Sky Strikers that you want to. To, to use and they're pretty cool but it's just kind of like that which one it was too many choices that's kind of nice though but it was you know, it was cool to have i guess it's better more yeah, yeah more is better than less I think. yeah and i'm grateful rob that between us get this we have the original u.s release guy striker yours mm -hmm. yeah. you and i both have the 30th anniversary sky strikers yeah i have an action force sky striker Ah, from 1988, or was it 87? Uh, and now the 2023. We so we've got all of them. <laughs> Not well, the quite. main ones. 
Well, yeah, we don't have a night Why groomer. Why the count? I'm not about to take out a second mortgage. Uh, all right. <laughs> yes, Paul I think it's time to wrap this up. Paul wants to let us know that episode or issue two of G.I. Joe, a real American hero comic, uh, earns a 2.5 from him because he's two ninety nine. Oh, Oh, did I get that wrong? 299 gets gets a 2.5. He has not told us issue two. I think he wants to be able to elaborate on that more. Oh, shame. Yeah. Well, but he said I well think... drawn and some good story points for two for 299. So that's why he went middle of the road, like Stephen. Oh. Okay. I read that differently. But anyways, <clears throat> let's uh, wrap this bad boy up, boys. Thank you so much for joining us, Troy. Hell yeah. It's been a bumper episode. I hope I hope the listeners enjoyed it immensely as much as we did enjoying giving it. Um, yeah, man. Any shout outs you'd like to do on the way out? And we got we have lots of work ahead of us, clearly, True. to Absolutely. figure out what's going on with uh, that MCC. Oh, Let's just the other day I got a comment. Three years. Four years. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just the other day I got a comment uh, about element extraction, which we worked on previously, Troy. Uh, yeah, we, someone wants to know what happens there. So we got yeah, we kind of left that one too. <laughs> mm-hmm. Look, we'll eventually get around to everything. I don't like leaving plot threads hanging. So yes, even even continuity that started in Atlantis Factor, one He's day we'll keep we'll Stephen away. Absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely. Oh, happy well, birthday, Rob! Oh, thank you very much, Stephen. And yeah. uh, happy birthday, Rob! Happy happy birthday to Tim and Terry Wild as well. I hope you guys had a have had a great birthday um yeah i i i had a, a, a relaxed birthday um i'm now i've now entered my 40s and so, yes, it's all about kicking back now you're an old yeah, boy. <laughs> I'm gonna even more relaxed now you know i'm gonna get myself a nice chair from my bedroom and i'm just gonna go sit in it it's just gonna be one of those lazy boys and i can just rock backwards and forwards it's gonna be fantastic <laughs> well, speaking of all the mod speed, cons right? are you are you circling in on that uh, that air fryer that you wanted to get i i'm definitely getting closer to getting it i'm, I'm trying to find the perfect one i have to get it it's just it's you know over 40 you don't want to actually make food anymore do you you just want to have mm-hmm. it made easy for you and i think that's the easiest most fantastic way of making food so i'm gonna do it it's the modern age is microwave absolutely mm-hmm. and apparently it's healthier too i don't know we'll find Amazing. out if i'm still alive in 60 you know 40 years i mean air fries work then it's certainly crispier than a microwave. Yeah. yeah, I've tried. Thanks as always to the Berg Force, our patrons, and also the guys over on the YouTube membership program. You guys are great. Thank you for uh, keeping the lights running at GI Joe Berg HQ. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Thank Much you, appreciated. Yeah. You're amazing. And without and thank you very much to the guys joining us in the live chats. I see they're up to nine of you at one point. Wow. Amazing. Mm. Thank you, everyone, for for the birthday wishes. I appreciate it. Yep. And with that, uh, I think it's time for a hearty yo, 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 yo. By the way, Paul gives issue number two four point five. Yeah, I told so. you. you, you did misread that. I misread. My bad. Bye. Wow. <laughs>